Ladies and gentlemen, hombres y mujeres, it's now time for the hottest podcast on the market, the primary source for education, motivation, and unification. I'm your host, Joshua Hughes, and this is Empowerment Talks. E-Talk Universe, what's good? We have a stacked show today because we are graced with the presence of a chief diversity officer who is also a philosopher specializing in the philosophy of race. And with Dr. Sybil Anderson, we will be tackling the subject of the link between minority education and stereotyping. E-Talk Universe, we also have a very special guest guest by the name of... Zalea May Tubby. Who is... I'm a freshman and an English literature and teacher education major. And she would like to join us for this discussion to have a three-way conversation about the link between minority education and stereotyping. Now, E-Talk Universe, this is an open discussion, and we will break down the subject into three fundamental questions. What is educational stereotyping? Are stereotypical careers a good or a bad thing in minority communities? And what can we do to promote the plethora of career paths to a minority audience? Ms. Sybil, welcome to the show. Well, thank you for having me. Ms. Zalea, welcome to the show. Thank you. All right. So, eTalk Universe, we are going to tackle this number one question. What is educational stereotyping? Ms. Sybil, if you could explain. I was really glad that you asked that question because, you know, I, I think educational stereotyping is not something we talk about. Um, and yet it's something we do. So I spent a lot of time just sort of thinking, what does that mean, educational stereotyping? And so in my own experience, I was thinking back to when uh, college was sort of on my radar. I was a high school student trying to figure out what I was going to do. And uh, what I was often told was, well, are you going to be a doctor? Are you going to be a lawyer? Or are you going to go into engineering? Doctor, lawyer engineering that's three <laughs> right and I'm thinking and, you know and so it's like okay well let me go to college and figure out which of those three I'm gonna be and you know and so today hello I'm a philosopher and say you know, what <laughs> right nobody nobody ever thought that talk hey, universe I am talking to a black woman that is actually a philosopher yeah no, this, this is not others. a thing this is not a thing not a thing right because there are 10,000 philosophers in North America with PhDs and about maybe we might have hit 40 black women on the continent who have PhDs are you in joking I kid you not I'm number 21 Ooh. oh my she knows her number <laughs> right I know my number I know I know the women um, and yeah there are about maybe 200 uh, blacks in philosophy in North America. That is insane. That is insane. So 300 million people and <laughs> just a handful out of that chunk yep. are black. We Could you please explain to us why in the world is that a thing? Well, I think it has something to do with this topic, right? With educational stereotyping. So uh, the career uh, uh, philosophy just was never mentioned to me. Well, I had uh, entered graduate school and was, you know, working on business uh, when I started noticing these courses that looked really interesting to me, courses in philosophy, so I started taking them. 
and it was one of my professors who said, you know, you're pretty good at this. You should, you should keep doing this. You should, you should consider a career. Um, and so, you know, I thought, well, I really love this. This is fantastic. And, uh, and so I found my way to philosophy, or I'd like to say philosophy found me. Hmm. Um, and so, and I hear that a lot from, uh, from other uh, blacks in philosophy that, you know, in some cases people uh, were introduced to, to philosophy early on as, as an academic path, but uh, most of us, you know, we, we found it once we were on our way. Exactly. So, you know, so I think it is, a, I think it's uh, really important for us when we hear young people express interest in different subjects, mm -hmm. English, for instance, becoming a teacher, um, showing an interest in psychology, showing an interest in art, in whatever, whatever our young people are naturally drawn to, let's begin to investigate what those educational pathways right. are, uh, what, what pathways might be open to them, and not limit them to doctor, lawyer, lawyer engineer. engineer. Huh. That is crazy. Yeah. Zalea, I mean, you're, you're over here and you're a freshman at Loyola. Yes. To hear that somebody went on a path that is completely just insane <laughs> for us as black people growing right. up. I mean, coming from New Orleans, black people and philosophy don't go together. No. <laughs> so what does this mean to you? It, I mean, it's just inspiring. Like, it's just something new that I'm seeing as well. Like, in, in high school, I mean, like, when I was telling people that I wanted to go in English, they were just like, what you gonna do with that? Exactly. <laughs> like, uh, you know, I don't know. But that's just what I'm drawn to and that's what I want to do. But I don't know, I feel like as black people, we just have to work harder. We feel like we have to work harder. So of course we're gonna go for the doctor, lawyer, engineer. Right, right, Because those right. are like set jobs. Those mm -hmm. are things that we're gonna be able to be successful in. Like, mm -hmm. you know, black people, just we, we don't know if we're gonna be successful in philosophy or these other things, so we right. just don't mention them. And that's, I mean, it's inspiring that, you know, you've gone as far as getting a Ph.D. in it in something that, you know. Right. Well, I'm inspired that you, <laughs> that you knew that you wanted to study English very early mm -hmm. on. How did you, how did you discover that? How did you decide this is what I'm going to do? Well, I had a, I don't know. I've never really known what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. I just, I had a really good English teacher and I was like, I like English, but mm -hmm. what do I want to do? And. The only job that I could put with English was teaching, so I was like, you know what, I could be an English teacher. But I mean, English itself is just has always been a passion. Mm -hmm. It's just I never decided that it was going to be a career for me until I got to high school because right. I didn't really know what to do with it. I, I didn't have the outlets to like go and see like what what can I do with English because I was just never talked to about it. So. So I you to, literally went out on a limb yeah. and just jumped into the pool. I just jumped into it, yeah. There we go. But I mean, like, I've always, I've always loved English, but that's never been something that I wanted to do as a career until mm -hmm. I got to high school. How did it feel being that one person who's basically like, I want to go in completely uncharted territory? Right. What was it like being that one person? Mm, it's kind of intimidating because there's a lot of things weighing on me. Like, I want to be successful and I want to, like, prove to them that I'm going to be successful. Right. So, like, I mean... I don't know. <laughs> it's like I don't know. It's a little anxiety driven. Yeah. But I mean. I mean, what's so it. interesting <laughs> about the two of you is that you're going into a beginning of a thing. Mm -hmm. That's something entirely right. new. 
she, Miss Sybil, is already on that other <laughs> side who's like, I'm number 21. What in the world is number 21? <laughs> she is, she knows her number. Exactly. So you going on a path that's completely different, that's insane. Mm -hmm. Me as a communications major, I've always seen people come over here literally in droves that are all competing for the act of being a journalist to the act of right. being, uh, maybe jumping into videography, maybe the mm -hmm. act of somebody going in trying to be a news anchor. I decided I wanted to throw the ball all the way in the left field. I'm learning how to control video cameras. I'm learning how to do podcasts. Mm -hmm. I'm learning how to be on TV. I'm learning how to do talk shows. Why can't I go into business for myself? Hey. <laughs> Why not? Let's try and be a little entrepreneur and right. uh, start your own little something. Own something. Exactly. You what know, you it's know? one thing to go to school to go and work for somebody. It's another thing to go to school to want to work, work for yourself. yourself. Exactly. So to break that that stereotype and that that mold of you have to abide by a certain rule right. or by a certain demographic, and as this race, you need to be this and such and such. Exactly. If you're Asian, you're supposed to be really good at math. You know what I'm saying? If in order to break those things. It takes people like us who are willing to go out on a limb and do something different. Yes. Yes. And to turn to our young people and say, you can do whatever you want. Instead of saying, you have to, you ought to. I mean, I think it's important to let, uh, to let young people know what careers exist, where, where they might have um, financial success, where they might gather wealth. I mean, those things, those are practical concerns, and parents certainly are concerned about the, the economic success of, of their young people. But I think, you know, I'm a firm believer, I still believe that if you do what's in your heart, if you do what you're naturally talented uh, at, and, uh, and, and just, uh, whatever you seem to have sort of a natural inclination toward, you can be successful in it. And so then the question becomes, how can I be successful at this thing that I love? What can I do? What are my options? And in some cases, just like you were saying, Josh, in some cases it might be, oh, I need to go over here and do my own thing. Like, right. I need to make this. I need to build this. Right. Um, as opposed to thinking about how I can get somebody else to let me do this. There you go. Mm -hmm. It's all in a matter of perspective. Mm -hmm. Right. So, I mean, this brings us to our second question. Are stereotypical careers a good or a bad thing in minority communities? That is an excellent question. I, you know, so I was thinking about this too. I was thinking about these stereotypical careers and I think if, I think we, between the three of us, could come up with a, a list very quickly <laughs> of like, what are those stereotypically black jobs? Huh. So, here I sit as a chief diversity officer. Excuse me? <laughs> right? But, <laughs> but that is, I hate to say it, it's kind of a stereotypically black job, right? So, um, uh, uh, Ebony Magazine, I remember years ago, used to always, maybe they still do this. Is Ebony Magazine still even it's out still there? Thing. Yeah. It's still <laughs> a seen, thing. You know, you know. Don't Look. hate. <laughs> <laughs> but they used to do like all of these sort of top executives, right? And so you would have all these pictures of blacks that were in high level positions, vice presidents, and so many of them were vice presidents of diversity. Like that's <laughs> like, you're going to be a vice president. Probably going to be a vice president for diversity. Isn't it a little, little strange that all the black people are the diversity ones? Right, right. So you know, I mean, so so that so that is a thing. But I think that also here's where it's good okay. is I think, you know, we are the ones who 
um, are committed to this work. I mean, we're not the only ones who are committed to this work, but uh, a lot of us end up in this work because we recognize the need mm -hmm. and we have the sensitivity and the understanding of the plight of marginalized groups, right? Uh, so not only people of color, but people with disabilities um, and people who have a whole range of disadvantages. And so, uh, and so because we, you know, are sort of on the front lines of these concerns, a lot of us do prepare ourselves to do this work over the course of our careers. Exactly. We're doing we're doing the work. So even as a professor of philosophy at the institution I was at before, I was really at, the president called me the face of diversity on our campus because I was the one who was actually doing a lot of that work, and that prepared me for um, this position. So. Being a chief diversity officer, <laughs> stereotypically black job, <laughs> but exactly. what else? I mean, what else? What else can we think of? Yeah. So I mean, you know, we always hear, uh, you know, uh, people talking about, you know, becoming rappers or basketball players. Rappers you know, we or, were trying like, to be deep thinkers and think around that, but uh, I guess we got to address the elephant go. in the room. Hey, but that's what we think of when we say, you know, if somebody's going to be successful as a black person, what are they going to be? Well, either an entertainer or an athlete. Right. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Um, or chief diversity officer. Or chief diversity <laughs> officer. Cannot forget that. Um, but, you know, so, but the thing, so uh, there is also some data uh, I think that's really important to consider. So, for example, uh, blacks represent about 11% of the workforce. We are overrepresented among home health aides. We're about a third of home health aides. We're overrepresented in, uh, as security guards and bus drivers. Mm -hmm. So there, you know, uh, on this campus, something that students have talked about is the way we're overrepresented in the dining services yes, and housekeeping something. and housekeeping services, right? So, um, so I think w this is another sort of layer to this. So, it, you know, there's a sense in which um, when we think about the educational sphere, we think about these stereotypical pathways that we're guided toward. But those of us who are who are not so privileged as to even have access to higher education, right? We can look at, at the career options that are available to them and, and, and realize that they are also um, in being slotted into a certain set of professions as opposed to the wide range, right? So you don't have to go to college to become, a, you know, a master carpenter, an electrician, and those kinds of things. But what are we are we suitably represented in um, in those high paying trades? Exactly. Right. That's something to think about, um, you know. And our Latino brothers and sisters. So Latino men are the hardest working people in the country like they are the there's data that says bureau of labor, bureau of labor statistics uh says that hispanic men are doing the most work in our country right and they are among the the least paid the only demographic that's getting paid less than hispanic men are hispanic women hmm. wow that is it hardest working lowest paid wow Right, because we can also think of the stereotypically uh, Latino professions in this country, right, or the the places where they get slotted. Dare I say, construction? Yeah, construction, right. Construction like food factories and things like that. Landscaping. Landscaping. Right, um, and so you know we have a lot of work to do to uh, to reach out into communities, to talk to young people, to say, hey, what's your dream? What do you want? 
What do you love? What do you want to do with your life? And let them know you have options. Exactly. Exactly. So how are you feeling about this? I mean, are stereotypical jobs, are they a good thing or a bad thing? I mean, if you're getting paid X amount of money, you know, does it really matter? Right. right. But at the same time, are you labeling your people yeah. as we do X, Y, and Z and we're no, we, we can't reach any A, Bs, or Cs? We're limiting a lot of our options. Like, we're just, we're, we're just like not even considering these options as options. Like, we're giving ourselves like this much room to move. It's you know? almost putting ourselves in a box. In a box, right. When there's like all these other opportunities that are are available to us and they should be available to us, but for some reason they're just not being like for a moment. Walk with me. <laughs> Do you feel as though that it's intentional to only label people as certain things versus opening the doors and basically asking them do you want it or do you feel as though it's based on the people themselves right. to take that box open it and then jump out it's probably uh it's probably both <laughs> a little bit sentence. of both yeah a little bit of both okay can you elaborate on it just a little bit just I'm, how do you think this might have happened i feel like we're comfortable where we are i feel like we just need a little bit of a push to say like we have other options you know maybe in some degree like the government or some kind of political reasonings like as to why we're not getting these jobs are a factor but we're getting too comfortable like we're not being treated okay. fairly so like, basically complacency yeah exactly okay like we're just static we're not right. moving anywhere because we've just been doing this for so long like okay so people have gotten comfortable, gotten comfortable. with that mm -hmm. okay that, that comfort could be a dangerous thing mm -hmm. because everybody else they'll be racing forward right and we're satisfied mm -hmm. in our own little mm -hmm. box so i mean in conclusion i guess you can say that it's both a good and a bad thing. A good thing because we know that we can do this. Right. Mm -hmm. But I guess the double edge to that sword is there's a wide world out there and we're not even being represented. Right. Not not right. just misrepresented, but not even being represented. represented. Yeah. If you look at Congress, you're going to see that the vast majority, and I mean vast <laughs> majority, mm -hmm. has no black people in it. Right. You look at the upper tops, the very elite. Very rarely do you see a brother up there. Right. I look at the placemat with the presidents on it. I only see one. Right. Right. And it's not because we can't do it. It's because we're not really being told, yeah, if you aspire to do that, go ahead and do it. Right. It's attainable. If you want it, go grab it. Mm -hmm. Yes. So in order to counteract this thing, I guess our job is to tell people that this stuff exists. Right. Exactly. And once you educate people on the fact that other options exist, you give the ball to them and you tell them to run. Right. Hmm. Right. I love what you said about, uh, Zalea, about, um, you know, the way in which we get kind of complacent. So, you know, we, we just develop these habits of thought, right? These habits, uh, these patterns of behavior. Like, go this way, go that way, go down this road. So back in the day, you know, and I think about my older siblings, the options that were available to them were, you know, if, if they were a, a woman who was fortunate enough to go to college, right? It was go be a teacher, go be a nurse, mm -hmm. right? Uh, the men, you know, went into the military. Now, those were really good options. For them you know and and so it's so in terms of having sort of stereotypical pathways negative in the sense that they were being limited but positive in that they created new opportunities for them but you know if you sort of develop a habit right and you think okay well this is what we do 
then you will have generation upon generation and upon generation of, or we could have had generations of teachers, nurses, and military men, right? right. As opposed to, uh, you know, Dr uh, driving wedges in these career paths over time and and opening it up. So it seems to me like you really sort of hit the hit the nail on the head of the challenge we face now, which is to remind ourselves not to be complacent. That even as we see stereotypical patterns, now the real challenge is to drive wedges in those and to and to say again to young people, what is it that you want to do and how are you going to do it. And to say, you know, is it something that you're going to have to create yourself? Don't be daunted by that. Find out, find a way. Find out how to how to make that happen. Find the resources. Find people who are going to help you uh, realize your dream and your vision. But complacency has got to go. So here's the thing, Etalk Universe. There comes a time in everyone's life when they want to contribute their own two cents into society by starting their very own business. But the cost and the hassle of creating a website can be unbearable. Not anymore. Landing Line is the hottest website builder on the market, not because they give you complex templates you don't need, but because they put the power of website building in your very own hands, page by page. All they ask is that you add what you need as you need it. And as a gift to the consumer, Landing Line is absolutely, and I mean absolutely free. So be sure after the podcast to check Landing Line out and fulfill a lifelong personal dream. That's LandingLine.com. Once again, fulfill your dream at LandingLine.com. All right. Welcome back, Miss Sybil. Miss Zalea, how are you guys feeling? Great. A wonderful conversation. <laughs> awesome conversation. Something that people don't usually talk to, especially our people. We're talking about addressing where the glass ceiling is, looking through and realizing we can shatter that baby and jump into the air. Mm -hmm. Well, now it's come to our final topic in the form of what can we do to promote the plethora of career paths to a minority audience besides just talking? Well, besides just talking, <laughs> talking is important to begin with because like we were just saying, you know, that uh, an important uh, thing to do is just to get the message out and right. talk to our young people. But I think, you know, uh, as I am, uh, you know, an administrator within a university setting, uh, it's important to look at the opportunities that exist on this campus uh, to uh, enable young people to pursue their their dreams. So, you know, uh, that involves looking at our curriculum uh, and and seeing the course offerings that are available and how students are enrolling in courses uh, to make sure that students are given opportunities to. Um, explore the coursework they want to explore. Um, I think another thing is to look at internship opportunities, right? And making connections with entrepreneurs in the city um, so that students like you who have, you know, have sort of seen the light and, and thought, hey, you know what, I can go into business for myself, have access to mentors who can help them uh, begin to to lay the foundation, the groundwork. For what I find so astonishing is that ladies like yourself are literally trailblazers. <laughs> I mean, literally, 
for this topic, people will have to look up to you. I mean, I could see history books with your name on it because once again, you're number 21. <laughs> That's right. This is something that we don't do as a people. I mean, to tell people that you can be more than just uh, an entertainer or more than just an athlete and take that next step and literally basically go into business for yourself mm -hmm. and make you etch your own name into the history books. You know, February always runs around and I always see the same people being promoted. They did amazing things back in those days, but people are doing amazing things here and now. Yes. And I feel as though having that disconnect to that past and our present is hindering the progress that could have been made. Because now everybody looks to the past and be like, wow, they were great people. But it's unrealistic for this to happen now because that was 50 years ago. But who's to say that people aren't doing amazing things right now and are just not getting the light shown on them? Zaleh, how do you feel about this issue? I don't know. I feel like once they saw that the biggest thing was over, they just kind of were like, all right, we're comfortable. Like, again, we're still mm -hmm. complacent. And I don't know. We, we're still static. We just got to keep moving. We got to keep being represented. And I mean, I noticed not only did they give us the shortest month out of the year, <laughs> I'm a little salty right. about that. Right. But, um, you know, 28 days and 29 if we're lucky. Mm -hmm. But, uh, yeah, 29 if we're lucky. But, I mean, just the thought of yes the greats are the greats but we're doing stuff too we're doing stuff too and i think you know i think you're making a really important point josh because ordinary people we know people around us who are doing extraordinary things um you know i think about for example students who are the first in their families to go to college right and who um say you know at, even as they um, meet with the challenges of of entering a college and navigating the coursework they'll say but i'm gonna i'm gonna persevere i'm gonna persist because i've got younger siblings and cousins who are looking up to me Right. And so they're they recognize that they are, in fact, they ought to be in the history books right? right? because they're the first in their family, in their neighborhood to make to 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 chart this path and to to sort of be a, a trailblazer for others in their community. Exactly. That's huge. Exactly. That's huge. That has a huge, a tremendous impact um, on future generations. So I think I think uh, what you're suggesting, which is that we could use not just Black History Month, we really need to do this year round, but you we can so. but we can use Black History Month as a platform for raising up, for elevating and lifting up um, those folks who are all around us all the time who are blazing trails. Giving us these giving us modern day people almost a shot of B twelve that hey, mm -hmm. people are still doing stuff. They're still doing extraordinary things. Right. And it's time they got the recognition they deserve. That's right. That is incredible. But in in order to spread this word, it's easy to conduct it in the sanctity of a three-person conversation of like-minded people that are trying to do something different mm -hmm. but how do you convince the masses to do it I feel word of mouth is a very powerful tool but I feel like there also needs to be something like fundraisers or if anything workshops or something out in the public because in order to educate the public you need something done in public it's difficult to educate the public from a private setting because the vast majority of people, I mean, they, you'll, you'll ignore it in a minute. You know, people have lives, you know. Mm -hmm. How are we going to convince people to go out on a limb and be different when the status quo is fit in your place yeah. and stay there? Zalea? I mean, like you said, like we have to reach out to the public. We can, I feel like at my school there was something cool that they did. They did like 
um, college fairs, Ooh. which was awesome. Like they would, um, colleges would come to my school and they would set up little tables and they would have like their um, major lists. And I would just be looking at these majors. I'm like, I've never seen none of these in my life. And they would be like talking to me about them. And I don't know, I feel like just more exposure to certain things would be a lot help. So exposure helpful. in and of itself, just yes. put it out there. I want to dovetail something that Zalea said. Let's go. So the idea of a college fair, I was thinking, as you were talking about that, I was thinking we should have dream fairs. Dream fairs. Dream fairs. Where, you know, you just have an opportunity to see people who are living out their dreams, right? But then, you know, you can have workshops. I'm thinking like, you know, Essence Fest would be a great platform. Uh-oh. Yeah. Right? Right. So so you have people who have lived out their dreams and they they do presentations or whatever. But, but you also get to be in a workshop where you really do get an opportunity to do some work, some inner work to think through what is it? What is the thing that I've always dreamed of doing, dreamed of being, um, and and to begin to think about how to actualize right. that? Not thing. only telling people what's possible, but showing them how to get it. Exactly. That's that next step that people don't usually talk about. They don't mind showing you this is possible. Right. But do they show you how to get there? Right. I mean, you're still lost until you have a pathway to get to that goal. Exactly. But that is an incredible idea. To be able to, I mean, and that attracts a massive mass, mm -hmm. and you can get anybody to support that. Mm -hmm. Support a future for your people. Right. That is an awesome idea. Wow. Now that's what I'm talking about. Taking an issue and breaking it down to its fundamental core. I'd like to take a quick second to thank the members of the eTalk universe, as well as first-time listeners for tuning into this discussion. Ms. Zalea, how can we contact you? Um, you can contact me through email. My email is Z-M-A-Y-T-U-B-B-Y at gmail.com. You can also find me um, on other social medias at Zalea, J-A-H-U-A-N. Um, yeah. <laughs> Miss Sybil. So my email address is Scanders, S-C-A-N-D-E-R-S, at loino.edu. And eTalk Universe. If you like the topic and want to contribute to the topic or join the eTalk Universe, be sure to like, share, and subscribe to this podcast. But hey, do you ladies know that the conversation doesn't stop here? Yes. If you take a second to pull up eTalks.org, where you can check our weekly e-blog, where the conversation truly never stops, where you can also recommend a guest to join in the eTalk conversation, where we hit the hard topics, not only speak them, but also find a conclusion. And in conclusion, I'm Joshua Hughes. This is Sybil Anderson. And this is The Lambings. And we are here in On Empowerment Talks, the primary source for education, motivation, and unification. Remember, progress starts with you. Peace.